0: This is an audio sermon recorded at the Church of Christ at Johnson Mill in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 3801 Johnson Mill Boulevard. Like I say, I appreciate everybody for being here this morning. It's always great for us to be back with you. We've been out the last couple weeks and definitely happy to be back and see some familiar smiling faces and always glad to be with you. So appreciate you making the opportunity to worship God with us and I appreciate the prayers on my behalf. And it's my prayer that the things that we study will be in strict accordance to God's Word, and that also it will be useful to you and beneficial as we continue our Christian walk together. For a little while, I want to talk about being a contender for the faith. That comes from the book of Jude. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with us. I'll have the verses on the screen up here. Jude chapter 1, we're going to read the first three verses. It says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, And preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. But when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. When we think about this phrase to earnestly contend for the faith, when I think of the word contend or to be a contender, the first thing I think of is a boxer or a fighter. You know, usually you have the champion and he's defending his belt, and then usually you have the contender, the one who's trying to take the belt from the champion. So when you think of the word contender, think of the word fighter. So when we think about we should earnestly contend for the faith, we should earnestly fight for the faith. And we're going to go into that and, and see what that really means for us to do as Christians. We also see in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 through 14, Paul writes, for Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called, and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul writes here, he writes there in verse 14 that you keep this commandment. What what commandment is it that we're keeping? Well, it goes back up there to verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. It's a commandment. When we think about a commandment that we have to fight the good fight of faith, that means we don't have a choice. The choice is made for us that we're going to follow after this commandment, and we are going to fight the good fight of faith. So what I want to look at for a little while this morning is, number one, why are we fighting? What's the point to fight the good fight of faith? Number two is who or what are we supposed to fight against? And then number three is how do we actually do that? How do we do that as Christians to fight the good fight of faith? So going back to number one, why are we fighting? Well, when you look back in the Old Testament, we have an example of someone who goes out to battle. And that's the story of David versus Goliath. And I know I use that example a lot, but there is a lot of good practical applications that we can look at with the story of David versus Goliath. When you think about when he went, he, he was going to check on his brothers, and you have Goliath, the Philistine giant, who he was calling out and he was defying the armies of the living God. And David goes up, and, he's, and no, no Israelite's going to fight against him, so David goes up and he's going to fight. When you look at that, he says something very interesting to me in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 29. And it said, And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? What was going on here is his brethren... We're telling him, what are you doing here? Why why are you trying to come and get all this glory for yourself? And David's response is, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause that this Philistine giant is defying the armies of the living God and somebody needs to go slay him? Somebody needs to go fight the good fight of faith. And David's willing to do that. So the question that we have this morning, when we talk about fighting the good fight of faith and earnestly contending for the faith, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause to go fight the good fight of faith? We are standing before Goliath today, and the Goliath that we're standing before is a Goliath of sin. Sin in this world, sin in your own life, sin in the community, sin against your brothers and sisters. That's the Goliath that we're standing up against. Is there not a cause to fight that sin? So that's the question that we're going to answer today. Is there not a cause? You know we're also fighting because some prophets or false prophets are coming in and leading our brothers and sisters away. Second Peter chapter two verse one through three it says, "But there are false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness." shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you who judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not they're writing here and peter says there's going to be many false teachers among us there's false teachers all around us today isn't there there's false teachers and it says that many are going to follow after their ways including some of our own brothers and sisters that we have that many will choose to follow after their ways. so is there not a cause to fight against these false prophets and to help our brothers and sisters not follow after those ways and not watch them go into these hamnable heresies. When you think about that, we have brothers and sisters that we know when we pass from this life, if they're in a state of sin, if they haven't been forgiven of their sins, we know that once you pass, it's all over, that there's no hope after that. Going back to Jude, reading verse 5 through 8, it says, "...I will therefore put you in remembrance." that you once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved into everlasting change under darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, and going after strange flesh, or set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Go down to verse 12 and 13. It says, These are spots in your feast of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees, whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, Raging waves of the sea foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness and darkness forever? We know that when we or some of our close friends and our brothers and sisters, if they pass from this life to the next and they're in that state with the chains of sin still around them, that we know that that it's reserved the blackness of darkness forever. There's no hope at that point. Is there not a cause to save them from that eternal destruction? Is there not a cause to save yourself and fight the Goliath of sin in your own life? Is there not a cause to fight for your brothers and sisters who desperately need you? Is there not a cause? And this is why we're fighting. Did you know about 7,500 people every day die in the United States? 150,000 people die across the world every day. That's one out of about every 12 seconds. So by the time I'm done with this sermon, another 175 more people will die just in the United States. I'd be willing to bet the majority of those 175 people have not obeyed the gospel. And the reason why I say that is because straight is the way and narrow is is the path to life. Few will be that find it. We know that many of them have not obeyed the gospel. Is there not a cause? By the time I'm finished speaking and I go sit down and we sing the invitation song, 175 more people have died and many of them are going into that blackness of darkness forever. Is there not a cause? That is why we should be a contender for the faith. Because there are many, many people that are walking towards that blackness of darkness forever and will have no hope once they pass from this to the left to the next. And they have hope right now. We should be a contender for the faith for yourself. Fight that Goliath of sin and be a contender for the faith for them as well that desperately need you. So, the second thing we're going to look at is what or who should we be fighting? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12 it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I want to make it very clear that our battle, when we're contending for the faith, this is not a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. We are wrestling against the wiles of the devil. We're fighting against principalities, against powers. It's a spiritual battle. This is not in any way a physical battle. We're supposed to be fighting sin in our own life. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. I want you to think about if you're sitting in this room right now, and we knew the devil was sitting in the seat right beside you, and he's just waiting for you to slip up a little bit. He's waiting to see how he can devour you, how he can take you out of the church, and how he can lead you down towards that path of destruction. The reality is, is he is always right there spiritually. We can't physically see him, but he is there. He's walking about as a roaring lion. And get that picture in your head. There's a roaring lion sitting right beside you, just waiting, waiting for you to slip up. That's the fight that we're in. So be sober. Be vigilant against it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, it says, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. You know, we all have a carnal side to us, a worldly side or a physical side, and we also have a spiritual side to us. And we need to have this idea that they're always struggling back and forth against each other. The spiritual side is always battling against the carnal side, and the carnal side against the spiritual side. There's always a fight. They're always going back and forth. You know I've heard it once said there's a story that I remember that this guy he used to raise dogs and he would raise these dogs for fighting now I'm not in no way condoning fighting dogs but this is the story This is what he did he would raise two dogs he had a black dog and he had a white dog and he would bring the two dogs to the fight every time and they would fight against each other and you'd have people bet and see you know who they thought the dog was uh, which one was going to win the fight those type of deals and every every time the owner of the dogs Would always win with his bet he always knew which one was going to fight and which one was going to win sometimes it was the white dog and sometimes it was the black dog and it was different every time but but for some reason this owner he always knew which one was going to win well a reporter finally asked him one time after he retired he's like you know i noticed that every time you bet you would win so if we would just follow your bets we would win too how do you always know which one would win and he said oh well that's easy the dog's going to win is the one that i've been feeding all week The same thing with us. When you think about the carnal dog with inside of you versus the spiritual dog that are fighting against each other, the one that is guaranteed to win is the one that you've been feeding. If you're feeding your carnal side, if you're following after your your fleshly lust, that's going to win. If you're feeding your spiritual side with spiritual food, with studies, with prayers, with spending time with your brothers and sisters, that's going to win. You have control over which one's going to win. It's which one you're going to feed the most. In Jude chapter one, verse fourteen through sixteen it says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints, to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that, that are ungodly among them, of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which have ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust and their own mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. We're well, going back to the book of Jude here and look at that just in those couple verses, how many times it talks about the ungodly? Well, this is something else that we're supposed to be fighting. We're supposed to be fighting these ungodly falsities that come from the world with these great swelling words. It kinda goes back to the false prophets. Those ungodly people with their ungodly deeds, they have ungodly committed, and the hard speeches with ungodly sinners have spoken. That's a lot of ungodly. And when we think about being a Christian, we're supposed to fight the good fight of faith. Fight the ungodly. Not physically, but spiritually. Fight the good fight of faith. These ungodly deeds will be punished. So fight the ungodly deeds of yourselves and those that are around you. We also should be fighting the works of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the, the kingdom of God. I want you to look at that list for just a second. That's quite a few things that's on that list that's, that's named as a work of the flesh. Look at that list, and there's probably one of them that's sticking out to you that you might be struggling with. Which one of those are you struggling with? Fight the good fight of faith. Here's what I'm going to tell you struggling is a good thing struggling means you're battling struggling means that you're trying to get past it you're trying to win the worst thing you can do is stop struggling ideally when you keep fighting you keep going it's going to get easier and easier and easier and you're not alone you have brothers and sisters to help you out we can fight that good fight of faith with you but there's one of those that's these works of the flesh that's probably sticking out to you that you're battling against keep battling Keep fighting. James chapter 5, verse 19 through 20, it says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. We save souls from death by helping people get rid of sin. That means getting rid of sin in your own life. Keep fighting that sin. Keep battling against that. And also help your brothers and sisters fight their battle as well. Help them to overcome it too. The next thing that we're fighting against is false teachers coming into the church. Second John chapter 1, verse 7 says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. We are to fight these deceivers. We are to fight against these people who are leading people astray. Once again, not a physical fight. It's a spiritual fight. We're supposed to spiritually fight against these people who are deceiving and leading people away. They're all around us if we'll just open our eyes and pay attention. These deceivers are all always there. They're always leading people away and they're teaching all these different doctrines and different ways of thinking that's just un- incorrect. Sometimes people are being deceivers and they don't even know they're being a deceiver. They're leading people astray and they don't recognize it. We have an example of this in Acts chapter 18 verse 24 through 28. It says that a certain Jew named Apollos was born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, and mighty in the Scriptures came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took unto him and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia... The brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. This man, Apollos, he was leading people astray, he was deceiving them, and he didn't know it. The reason he was deceiving them is because he only knew the baptism of John. If you only know the baptism of John, that's the baptism you teach. That's a baptism of repentance. That's not a baptism of remission of sins that we have now. Well, that's the only baptism that he knew. So he was leading people astray unknowingly, and he was deceiving people. So Aquila and Priscilla, they did the right thing. They went unto him. And they expounded to him the word of God more perfectly. You can actually say they argued with him or they fought with him to some extent because they disagreed with what he was teaching, right? Now, he had the right, right thing to do, so he took that, says when he was disposed, then he went and he continued teaching, and he continued to convince the Jews mightily. So now he continued to teach the right thing, knowing the baptism of Christ, not only the baptism of John. So that's kind of how it can work. One thing that we need to realize, that acceptance of a man's fault is not the same as love. So you could have had Aquila and Priscilla, they could have gone to Apollos and said, you know, well, he's teaching people, he's teaching them some good things, even though he's not quite right, he's doing a good job and it's okay, we're just going to say he's doing a good job and keep teaching. That would have been the exact wrong thing to do. But instead they confronted him and they expounded upon him the word of God more perfectly and they did it out of a matter of love and now he was able to teach the word of God the way he needed to. The father, our father, wants his children to fight for each other so that nobody gets lost. We need to be fighting for each other with a matter of love and sometimes that means calling each other out on faults and helping each other through those faults. Help them to overcome that. So now the third thing, we've looked at why we should fight. We looked at who or what should we fight against. Now I want to look at how do we do that. How do we fight? Well, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to prepare ourselves with armor. Ephesians chapter 6, 13-17, through 17, it says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God." We've gone through this multiple times. It talks about how we should prepare ourselves for battle. And remember that this is a spiritual battle, and this is your armor that you have. Here's a picture of it just to kind of give you an idea of what that looks like. So you can kind of see it all together. You have the Word of God. You've got salvation. You've got the shield of faith, the belt of truth, boots for readiness. You have all these different things. One thing that I want you to notice is all of these are for protection except for one. The only one that's not for protection and that could be considered a weapon would be a sword. But everything else is for protection. So I think that goes to show you that a lot of the things that you should prepare yourself with armor is to protect yourself against the fiery darts of the wicked. And you should still have the sword so that you can go attack back. The sword being the word of God. You can fight the good fight of faith. So prepare yourself, take preparation, make sure that you're, you're ready and that you're stable, and go fight back. We talked about the carnal versus the spiritual warfare, and that's where we talk about the two dogs, which one you're feeding. So are you feeding your spiritual self that's going to be fighting the good fight of faith, or are you going to be feeding your carnal self? If you're feeding your carnal self, you might as well just be taking all of your armor off. If you're feeding your spiritual self, then that's continually building up that armor, adding to it. And that's what we want to look at. You know, we need to be fighting for ourselves, fighting that sin in your life, and also fighting for your loved ones. When you think about fighting for loved ones, sometimes it takes different approaches for different people. Sometimes we have to fight differently. We have to change our style a little bit. We look back at Jude chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. It says, And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. And in, down in 21, it says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and to eternal life. When we think about that in 22 and 23, it says on some people, you're going to have compassion on them, making a difference. So sometimes you fight for them by showing them love, showing them compassion, helping them in that way. But others, you save with fear. Others, you got to get a lot more direct. Others are about to walk through that door into the blackness of darkness forever. And you need to go grab them by the shirt collar and rip them back before they walk out, sometimes you got to get direct. And sometimes you got to just get to the point. Hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. But it's all with one purpose in mind, which is in verse 21. To keep yourself in the love of God. And to keep your brothers and sisters in the love of God. Share that mercy with them. Sometimes that mercy is being direct and being to the point And get them back so that you can help them out mark chapter 6 verse 34 it says and jesus when he came out saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd and he began to teach them many things it says in, in jude that some have compassion making a difference and save them with compassion And that's what jesus did here he was moved with compassion and anytime you read that jesus was moved with compassion it's always followed up by an action that he took for that individual or that group of people always always followed up with an action But we also have Jesus when He taught how He saved people that He got direct too. And He got direct in Matthew chapter 23, verse 13 through 16. This is Jesus talking here, and He says, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against Me, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and, and for pretense make long prayer, Therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you compass sea and land to make one proselyte. When he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, you blind gods, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. So you can see from these two examples, Jesus saved with compassion when he was moved with compassion. He also saved with being direct. If you have the courage to go up and call someone, you scribes and Pharisees are hypocrites, that's a pretty direct message. And remember, He did it out of love. And He did it to save them, because that's what they needed. They needed someone to be that direct with them. There are different perspectives in this world that we have. And how we can be most effective in helping save people from a life of sin is to find out what perspective they're coming from and to help them with that. It's often said that we need to seek first to understand and then to be understood. If you can learn where they're coming from, then you can be a lot more effective by teaching them and helping them. You know, it's a pretty common thing that we hear today that we're not supposed to judge each other. We're not supposed to judge other people. We're not supposed to rebuke. We're not we're supposed to love each other for who they are. We're supposed to have tolerance, supposed to have acceptance i can't find that anywhere in the bible but that's where it's taught a lot of times people will say that in the world we're not supposed to judge we're supposed to love everyone but this, isn't this what jude is telling us in verse 23 in verse 23 it says and of some have compassion making difference and others save with fear pulling out of the fire hating even the garment spotted by flesh isn't that love that you're doing it because you love them you're pulling them out of the fire you're saving them fight with love, and saving their soul is showing your love for them. Revelation chapter 3 verse 19, it says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Jesus tells us that he loves us when he rebukes and chastens. That's what love is, is we help people overcome their faults. Now, there's a lot of different ways you can do that with humility, being humble, and help them as, as best you can. But it is a matter of love when we go to save other people, either save with compassion or save with fear, however the the situation calls for it. So that's how we're supposed to be fighting. And I want to shift gears just for a little bit. With everything going on in our community and the world right now, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of different movements. There's a lot of different things that, that we're facing against, things that none of us have ever faced at all. And we're in new territory. But what I want to realize is that the church is in a great battle right now. And my concern is that some of us don't recognize it. I want you to picture the devil sitting back and he's just laughing at all the destruction and all the division that's going on in the church. Christians arguing with each other. Christians trying to prove their point over their brothers and sisters instead of loving and, and trying to find peace and unity. The devil's just sitting back laughing and watching all this. We are in a great battle right now. And it's time for us to step up and recognize the battle we're in and do something about it. It's time for us to earnestly contend for the faith. It's time for us to come together and recognize that we're fighting this faith, the battle of faith together, not against each other, we're fighting it together. We're fighting against the devil. We have a common bond as Christians that only we can choose to divide. The devil has no power to divide that common bond with the, with the Christian blood between us. Only we can choose to divide that. And that's our choice. So right now, we need to be fighting for unity. We need to be fighting for peace. Fighting for love. We need to fight against your desire to be right and prove your point to other people. We need to fight to bring others closer into our life, not separate away. We need to fight against isolation in your own life and look for opportunities to be with your brothers and sisters and help them and serve them. We need to fight to put others before yourself. And it is time to fight the good fight of faith because the battle is going on right now. The devil is having his fiery darts thrown at us all the time. And those those fiery darts are causing separation. They're causing division. They're causing anger. They're causing arguments that are completely unnecessary because we are bonded on the same team and that same team with Christ. It's time for us to fight together against Him, not fight with each other. It's time for us to fight the good fight of faith. We're all in this great battle of faith together. And if we don't suit up and be a contender for the fight, then we're working against Him. It tells us in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Are you fighting the good fight of faith this morning? If you're not fighting the good fight for God, then you're actively fighting against God. It's time for us to step up and fight. Fight for peace. Fight for unity. Fight the good fight of faith. Contenders fight to win the prize. Contenders fight to win that champion belt. We're fighting to win that crown of life. Not the crown of life only for us, but also for our brothers and sisters. We're fighting to win the prize. Fight so your brothers and sisters can win too. That no man is left behind. That we're all going there together. And we're helping each other any way that we can. It may be someday you start heading down the wrong door and that you start heading down and towards that blackness of darkness forever. I hope that you want some of your brothers and sisters to fight for you. And you may be there today. And what we want to do as your brothers and sisters is we want to fight for you. We want to help you. Help you overcome that Goliath of sin that's in your life. Whatever that is. We want to help come against it. And I encourage you, as Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 verse 12, is fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto, that were also called and has professed a good profession before many witness. I encourage you to fight the good fight of faith. The battle is going on right now and all the time, and it's time for us to stand up and fight. We're soldiers for Christ, and we are ready to fight for you today if you need it. If, if you're struggling with any sin today and you need some help, then we're ready to fight for you. We're ready to study with you, pray with you. We're ready to go to that spiritual battle. We're ready. We can help fight for you. If you need the prayers of the church or you'd like to start that battle and you'd like to be baptized into Christ, let your request be made known. Come have a seat on this front pew while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons each week, subscribe on Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and God bless.